Good morning. Would you follow along with me as I read the Gospel of John, chapter 19? Then Pilate took Jesus and flogged him, and the soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head and arrayed him in a purple robe. They came up to him saying, Hail, King of the Jews, and struck him with their hands. Pilate went out again and said to them, See, I am bringing him out to you, that you may know that I find no guilt in him. So Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. Pilate said to them, Behold the man. When the chief priest and the officers saw him, they cried out, Crucify him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and crucify him, for I find no guilt in him. The Jews answered him, We have a law, and according to that law, he ought to die, because he has made himself the son of God. When Pilate heard this statement, he was even more afraid. He entered his headquarters again and said to Jesus, where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. So Pilate said to him, you will not speak to me? Do you not know that I have authority to release you and authority to crucify you? Jesus answered him, you would have no authority over me at all unless it had been given to you from above. Therefore, he who delivered me over to you has the greater sin. From then on, Pilate sought to release him. But the Jews cried out, If you release this man, you are not Caesar's friend. Everyone who makes himself a king opposes Caesar. So when Pilate heard these words, he brought Jesus out and sat down on the judgment seat at a place called the Stone Pavement. In, in Aramaic, Gabbatha. Now it was the day of preparation of the Passover. It was about the sixth hour. He said to the Jews, behold, your king. They cried out, away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, shall I crucify your king? The chief priest answered, we have no king but Caesar. So he delivered him over to them to be crucified. So they took Jesus and he went out bearing his own cross to the place called the place of a skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. There they crucified him and with him two others, one on either side and Jesus between them. Pilate also wrote an inscription and put it on the cross. It said, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this inscription, for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and it was written in Aramaic, in Latin, and in Greek. So the chief priest of the Jews said to Pilate, Do not write the King of the Jews, but rather this man said, I am King of the Jews. Pilate answered, what I have written, I have written. 
When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they took his garments and divided them into four parts, one part for each soldier, also his tunic. But the tunic was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. So they said to one another, let us not tear it, but cast lots for it to see whose it shall be. This was to fulfill the scripture, which says, they divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. So the soldiers did these things, but standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, woman, behold your son. And then he said to the disciple, behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. After this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said to fulfill the scripture, I thirst. A jar full of sour wine stood there. So they put a sponge full of sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. Since it was the day of preparation and so that the bodies would not remain on the cross on the Sabbath, for that Sabbath was a high day the Jews asked Pilate that their legs might be broken and that they might be taken away. So the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first and of the other who had been crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear and at once there came out blood and water. He who saw it has borne witness, his testimony is true. And he knows that he is telling the truth that you also may believe. For these things took place that the scripture might be fulfilled. Not one of his bones will be broken. And again, another scripture says, they will look on him whom they have pierced. After these things, Joseph of Arimathea, who was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus, and Pilate gave him permission. So he came and took away his body. Nicodemus also, who earlier had come to Jesus by night, came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds in weight. So they took the body of Jesus and bound it in linen cloths with the spices, as is a burial custom of the Jews. Now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden a new tomb in which no one had yet been laid. So because of the Jewish day of preparation, since the tomb was close at hand, they laid Jesus there. God bless the reading of his word.
Pray with me. Father, I I just want to speak the name of Jesus today. Uh, And his name is power and his name is healing and life. And God, you know what's happening in the room, uh, in in each person's heart. And I, I ask God that you would use this time to glorify your son and to help your people. In Jesus' name, amen. Several years ago, I was walking onto an airplane and I was experiencing fear. Uh, Not because I'm afraid of planes, My wife actually is kind of growing into that right now, uh, which is interesting, afraid of planes. I was afraid of what, if you're in our church, I've shared with you before, growing up, my pastor would always say, airplane is Greek for witnessing opportunity. Meaning uh, you're about to sit beside someone uh, that God is placing beside you on purpose. And so, I have this feeling every time I walk on an airplane, who is it that I'm going to sit beside and what's, what's gonna go down? I actually feel similar in restaurants in our city, uh, who's gonna serve me or who am I gonna sit across the table from if I don't know that person yet? And for you, I don't know what it looks like to follow Jesus, uh, but sometimes when I feel like, okay, God's leading me and I'm gonna be in something that he might use me in, there's often fear there. but. But I was feeling that. I sat down on the plane and a guy about my age actually sits down beside me. I'm like, all right, here we go. So I'm like, hey. He's like, hey. You going home or are you leaving home? He's like, I'm going home. I was like, well, I'm leaving home. I was flying up to Denver. My wife's parents uh, live in Denver area in Colorado. He's like, cool. And I was like, so how are you doing? I'm always like, I never really know how the conversation's gonna go. How you doing, right? (laughs) And then the guy just starts to cry. I I, I wish I, in fact, I've shared other stories with you similar, like this has happened to me now three times on the airplane when I've asked how a person's doing, they actually have cried sitting next to me. I have that effect on people, I guess. He just starts to cry, and I'm like, hey, if you don't want to share, that's all right. He said, no, I guess I need to tell somebody. But he said, just now, outside, he said, uh, my girlfriend broke up with me. And I was like, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, and usually at that point, I would say, can I pray for you? But then I was like, I need to know more. So I was like, so tell me a little more. So he shared they'd been dating for several years and he didn't want this to happen and he had gone down to see her and to cut it off. So at that point, I was like, well, um, dude, 
Uh, well, my wife's picking me up when I get to Denver. Uh, that doesn't help, does it? He's like, no. <laughs> and I was like, uh, you know, I've, I've experienced some pain in, in, in my life at times. And I said, can I share with you uh, where I find hope? And he's like, sure. And so I, I pull out a Bible. And I was like, uh, you know what this is? And he's like, yep. I said, what's your church background? He's like, well, I didn't grow up in church. Uh, he said, I had a few friends in college. They invited me at one point to a college Bible study. Uh, and uh, they told me at the Bible study, I, I wasn't, wasn't gonna be uh, loved by God because I wasn't reading my Bible enough. And I was like, oh gosh. And I was like, well, can I tell you that I see God very differently? And so I walked through the story, like we, we've all sinned, we've messed up, it's brokenness. Yesterday, actually, my oldest daughter and I got to do the training in our church around the three circles, starting with brokenness, going in our city. People from our church uh, sharing the good news with people in our city. And you need to know, going into that, I had fear, for the record, similar. So we have the conversation and we get to the point where I'm saying, so there is a real king and a real kingdom, his name is Jesus, he lived a perfect life for you and me, died in our place, he rose again, he's coming back. We repent, believe, follow him, changes everything. It doesn't mean we don't hurt at times, but we have someone with us that's walking with us through it and there's a greater hope than a girl. And he was like, wow, that's, that's different than the news I've heard. And I was like, well, would you like to do that today, like follow Jesus? He said, no, I'm not ready. Y'all ever feel that way? Like, oh, I must have messed it up. We connected well enough that he actually followed me out of the airport uh, to meet Rebecca, talk to Rebecca. We exchanged contact information and we, sh we shared emails back and forth for a few weeks and then he stopped communicating with me. And I remember, I remember the emotion before every one of those emails was the same emotion I had before getting on the airplane, like fear. Like, okay, I, I feel like, Jesus, you're leading me into this conversation, but I really wanted to run. And I don't know if you've ever been there before. Uh, maybe it's uh, for you at work, uh, a decision that you know that God is leading you to make that is not gonna be popular. Uh, maybe for you at school, students uh, standing up for your faith when others are going the other direction. Do you know in the story of the crucifixion, I find hope, why? Because Jesus' 12 disciples run. Uh, John, John 19 is where we'll be today, but in John 16 we read this word, Jesus in the upper room tells his disciples the hour is coming, indeed it has come, when you will feel like you're getting on an airplane and you're gonna be <laughs> scattered. No, it's much more than that, obviously, for the disciples. When Jesus was arrested, his followers didn't want to be arrested with him. You'll be scattered every man to his own home. John tells us, as he tells the story, about one that another gospel writer also tells us about, several others, there was a guy, Peter, that followed Jesus from far away and then he was asked several times, are you a follower of Jesus? And what did he say? Nope. Why? Out of fear. 
And John, uh, he refers to himself throughout his gospel as the disciple whom he loves or the disciple, tells us that he also followed from far away out of fear. But at one point, John and four ladies during the crucifixion followed Jesus through their fear all the way up to the cross. And when they do, they get to be close to Jesus and experience something that I think God wants all of us to be part of on some level. And so, and I, this message changed as I went through this week. We had, a, we had a, a man pass away in our church by the name of Jerry Bird who's missional and God, we had at one point, there was in his service 50 plus flags from around the world and most of those countries Jerry had led our church on missions to. I'm gonna to talk to you about following Jesus through fear, looking at those that are at the foot of the cross that did it and what they got to see because it's really about Jesus, not us, right? So pick up with me, John chapter 19, verse 25. At one point, we have these people close, people that at one point were far away Verse 25, but standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. Guys, I don't know if you notice this, but often ladies are more courageous than we are at times. <laughs> The ladies uh, step in and lead spiritually. Uh, so often when we're watching from afar, we don't know a lot about several of these women. We do know that Mary Magdalene, the last one he mentions there, Luke chapter eight tells us that Jesus had delivered seven demons from her life. My wife and I just this week started watching the Chosen together, the first episode, if y'all remember that, the first episode is Mary Magdalene and Jesus delivering her. Mary is the one, John tells us, who's the first witness to the empty tomb and then the first witness of the empty tomb to the disciples to go and share. But she's not the central figure here, verse 25, when Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, we're, we're looking at the cries from the cross, this is what we think, the best we know how is we put together the chronology of the different crucifixion accounts, the, the, the third cry from the cross. Jesus says to his mother, woman, behold your son. And then he'll turn and talk to John, behold your mother. Let's talk first about his mother. And here's what I want you to see related to what he says to his mom. Following Jesus through fear, when we do, Jesus' sacrificial love 
for us is seen personally and vividly. Following Jesus through fear, his sacrificial love for us is seen personally and vividly. Verse 25, when Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing, what's the word there? Nearby. They followed him, they are close to the cross. I needed to be reminded of this, I had forgotten this that the depictions that we see in Hollywood of the cross and in most of our churches because they're up higher on the wall or in places on the church have the cross seemingly super elevated. But historians tell us that most of the crosses at this point would have been just off the ground. The whole cross itself would have been about seven foot tall and they would hang from it and so Jesus is eye level with his mom and she's right there. What's going on? Well, if you know the Bible stories, right? Uh, Simeon actually at one point in Luke chapter two after Jesus was born, he had been praying that God would allow him to see the Messiah and he does and he praises God, my eyes have seen salvation and then he turns to Mary and he says to Mary, a sword is gonna pierce your heart. And right now, vividly, the sacrificial love of God in a horrific way is being displayed in front of her. Her son, the son of God. What's happening? Genesis 3, you back up in the Bible. In Genesis chapter 3, y'all know the story. The snake deceives Eve. Eve, who's again leading in that story. You don't know what's going on here, but the, the Adam follows Eve and takes the apple and then God says to the serpent at one point in the future I'm going to put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed and he the seed the offspring of the woman will bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel he says that to the snake and that's taking place now in front of Mary the whole scene is being depicted If you're doing the Bible reading plan with us, we're doing a season right now of fasting and prayer. And as we do that, I don't know if y'all noticed, but even just the Bible time in your life just takes off on a different level. Friday morning, in our Bible reading, in fact, I had brought my journal in, but I think I left it in one of my other rooms. Uh, is that it? Yeah, that's it. Thank you. Some of y'all are doing it actually in hard copy form with us this year. You got the, the, the journal. This, this, is, this is what we read on Friday. In Exodus 20, it was the Ten Commandments. In the Ten Commandments, in the middle, we read, honor your what? Your father and your mother. We read then in the New Testament as it tied the commandments in the Old Testament to the New Testament. In James, Jesus' brother said this, whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point is guilty of the whole law. So if Jesus had not honored his mother, he would be guilty of the whole law and Jesus fulfills it all perfectly. And how does he fulfill it all perfectly? The other passage in the New Testament we read on Friday morning and like as I'm reading it, I was like, God, this is, 
Ah! This is what we get to see on the cross displayed this week. It says, love is the fulfilling of the law. And here, as she watches Jesus die for the world, Jesus loves his mom enough to take care of his mom as he suffers and dies for her sin and the sin of the world. Hey, little side note on this, if you want to just a little personal application point. If the people closest to you in your life don't know you're loving you, them, you love them, <laughs> something's wrong. Jesus prioritized his mom while he was dying for the world. Okay? And his mom, who followed through the fear to the foot of the cross, gets to see his sacrificial love for us personally and vividly. One other time, you know how he refers to her? Note the word there, woman. Like, I'm just like, come on, couldn't he have just said, like he says Abba to God when he talks, daddy, mama. No, he's a woman. Woman, what is he saying? Woman, behold your son. One other place in the gospel we read it. Anybody know? He's referring to his mom as woman. I heard somebody say under their breath, uh, his first miracle, his mom prompts, and he says to Mary, uh, when she says, hey, do something about the wine here, he says, woman, and then he says, my hour has not yet come. The hour has now come, and he's gonna take care of her. Henry stopped emailing me. A year later, I got an email from Henry. He said, Sam, I'm thinking about you today. And so I text him back and said, dude, Henry, so good to hear from you again. How are you doing? He's like, well, I had another girl break up with me. <laughs> I was like, cool. He said, yeah, but I thought about our conversation and I've been listening to Christian radio. And I was like, what? Henry, that's cool. I'm excited. Have you, have you found hope in that? He's like, I, I, do, I do get hope. You need to know when I was driving to church for work that next day, I'm cranking Christian radio and it sounds different to me. Why? Well, God was allowing me to see his love for someone else and for me in a graphic way, in a vivid way in someone else's life. When we follow Jesus through fear, his sacrificial love for us is seen personally and vividly. Jesus loves you. Second point I want you to see as we look at John verse 27 his radical love through us is experienced also personally when we're following him and intensely you want to experience the love of God uh, step through live an aggressive Christian life uh, yeah, this is not really the the cool phrase anymore but a few years ago the the text abbreviation was YOLO. You know what YOLO stands for? You only live once. You only live once <laughs> and then we're going to live eternally with God and that's going to be really good. But life here on this earth, he intends for you to get to see his love for you and we miss it because we, the, some of the disciples didn't get to see Jesus up close as he was dying for them. John gets to see God through his son, choose him 
to take care of his mom. What a crazy responsibility and privilege. God, Jesus, on the cross, then says to his disciple, verse 27, behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. Took her to his own home. His own home. Mary, Jesus' mom, lives with John. And I believe it radically impacted his life as he got to love his Savior's mom, got to watch his Savior love his mom through him. The way John writes in the New Testament is not different, but there's something that jumps off the pages of his letters, and that is love. I mean, love is all over what he writes. Why? Because I think Mary and the love that Mary had with Jesus and knew with Jesus, he invited into it. He got to be at the cross. He followed Jesus through fear. Jesus said, hey, take care of my mom. Here's 1 John 3, 16. Not John 3, 16, which is also about love, right? His words in the gospel. God's love the world he gave his son. But this is 1 John 3, 16. We talked about it Ash Wednesday. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us and, notice the and here, we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. What is he saying? We get to then know the love of God as we love others for God. When we follow Jesus through fear, his sacrificial love for us is seen personally and vividly. We get close, even if it's painful, we get to see him love, and then we get to experience him love others through us when we follow him. That's what we get to be part of. We get to watch the cross of Christ change the lives of people that he loves. Now, not as long ago, uh, I was uh, studying at a hotel to preach about God's love for people. And as, as I was studying at the hotel, actually I went back to that journal entry, which was digital, and I printed it up. Let's see if I can find it here. I put it in my Bible somewhere. So I was, I was at the hotel, and there was a person there by the name of D who showed up. Dee was also my age, but was a female. Yeah, I'm, I'm really doing well with my notes today, aren't I? I had so many sheets of paper, actually, that y'all be glad to know that the announcement's at the end of the service someone else is taking, for the record. I'll just tell you what happened. Um, yeah, but just reading the journal, like, Dee, Dee comes out, she's my age. I would not initiate a conversation with her because she was my age. But she said it what are you reading? And I said, it's, it's a Bible. It's like, uh, she didn't respond. So I had that fear emotion. <laughs> uh, okay, what do I do? So I asked the, the worst possible question. I said, uh, do you ever read the Bible? <laughs> and she said, I started yesterday. I said, what? 
I said, you started reading the Bible? She, she said, yeah. I said, hey, that's awesome. Tell me, what, 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 what would you started reading? She said, well, let me tell you what happened. She said, three days ago, she said, three days ago, I was hurting and I prayed and I said, God, if you're there, if you're there, send someone to help me understand the Bible. And he didn't. So I decided I was just gonna start trying to read it on my own. And I said, well, would you like someone to help you understand the Bible? And she said, yes. I hear a few minutes ago after I had stumbled over myself a few more times trying to talk, in the back talking to, she said, hey, Donna. She said, yeah, do you believe in God? And she said, Donna said, I don't know. And she's like, well, I didn't know either, but a few days ago I prayed for someone to explain the Bible to me and he's here. <laughs> and I'm like, no pressure, right? No pressure. So we talk and I share the good news of what Jesus has done for us on the cross. And I said, you ready to make him your king, your, your Lord? You ready to surrender your life to him? She said, I don't think I'm ready yet. And I'm like, oh. And I start thinking, God, man, I did it wrong. That day, that day, a few hours later, three years after Henry told me he was listening to Christian Radio, Henry emailed me. And he said, Sam, I read, I had sent him a book that actually we used to give people and we still have extra copies of if you want one called uh, How Good Is Good Enough? He said, Sam, I just read that book for the second time. And he said, I think I've understood what Jesus did for me on the cross. And I'd like to talk. He gave me his phone number and I got to call him. And he said, I'm ready to surrender my life to Christ. And he did. Did I do anything right? No. <laughs> Other than in the mess of my not wanting and fearing and not wanting to get close. I wanted to run away, frankly, like the disciple. But Mary at the foot of the cross got to see the love of God following him through fear. Jesus at the foot of the cross got to experience. John got to experience, and God wants that for you. I don't know what it is in your life. I, I mentioned work earlier, I mentioned students at school. You only live once. You only live once. John, Mary got to be at the foot of the cross. Don't you want to be there? We're going to transition to the Lord's Supper, but as we do, here's where, how I want to transition. Actually, those who are going to serve me or can come forward. Our deacons are going to serve us today, and they're going to go ahead and start passing the elements around as I just read these words to you and then we'll sing. I need to take one out, otherwise I will miss it. Here we go. Thank you to our deacons. This is what John writes, and I think with Mary beside him. We're, we're gonna do this because it's a reminder for us, physical, something we can touch, taste, and see of Jesus' sacrifice for us on the cross. If you're in the room and you believe in Jesus, you've surrendered to him as your Lord and Savior, this is for you. If you don't believe in him, this is not for you. 
But if you do trust in Christ, you don't need to be part of our church. This is for you to remember. But John writes, and I, I believe with Mary beside him, no one knows who the we is here. It's interesting as they argue about who's the we. Here's what he says, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes. They were face to face when he was being crucified. Which we have looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest. We have seen it and testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. The we, I believe, could be John talking about who's with him, Mary. They got to see it. And we wanna remind you of his love for you. Let's sing these words and remember together what he has done. Thank you for joining us today for Worship Online. If you're in our area, we wanna invite you to come to physically connect to your local church. We would love to help you to live and love like Jesus alongside of others who are doing the same. If you're from outside of our area, can I challenge you to find a local church in your area that's gonna preach the Bible and exalt Jesus. Smash the like button, subscribe, share with friends, and turn on notifications if you'd like to stay up to date with us. And thanks again for joining us.